You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org. The audio version of a blog from Cornfield Theology. You can go to www.cornfieldtheology.com for all the latest content. Cornfield Theology is a ministry of Redemption Hill Church located in the Des Moines metro. Title, Children, Baptism, and the Lord's Table. Every Sunday, Redemption Hill Church participates in the Lord's Table. There are theological convictions for this pattern. One reason is that the Lord's Table is an ongoing remembrance of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And a question I often receive from parents is, when should I allow my child to participate in communion? It's a great question, and I appreciate it when parents take the time to attend to the spiritual development of their children. The role of parents, especially fathers, in the spiritual development of their children can be summed up with one word, discipleship. In what follows, I attempt to show the relationship between the discipleship of a child or youth and the sacraments of the church, baptism, and the Lord's table. My desire is for parents to see the opportunities that lie in front of them to attend to the spiritual needs of their children. Laying the Foundation Redemption Hill is Baptistic and Confessional. The combination of baptistic and confessional allows for a biblical and logical way to think about when a child should participate in baptism and the Lord's table. However, before getting into the process, I need to explain a few convictions about both sacraments. Credo baptism. There is a difference between paedobaptism and credo-baptism. If a, if a church holds to paedobaptism, that means they baptize infants. If a church is credo-baptist, only those who profess faith in Christ are baptized. Redemption Hill is a credo-baptist church. The theological position on baptism in the local church will inform the approach of communion or the Lord's table. The credo-baptist will point to various passages in the New Testament to affirm their position. They will also point out that there are no passages in the Bible affirming paedobaptism. In contrast, the paedobaptist believes that the New Testament baptism corresponds with Old Testament circumcision. The link between the two is from how a paedobaptist understands the nature of covenants. If you want to learn more about the rationale of paedobaptism, locate your favorite Presbyterian friend. Open Communion Redemption Hill Church practices open communion. Open communion means that members and non-members may participate in the Lord's table. The only qualification for partaking is to be a professing follower of Jesus Christ. I know many pastors will take umbrage with this approach. However, I'm hesitant to make a requirement not explicitly stated in Holy Scripture. For example, if my Presbyterian friend attends Redemption Hill, and is a professing follower of Jesus Christ, they are welcome to to participate in the Lord's table. The uniting factor 
between another Christian and me is not denominational status. It's not what we believe about eschatology. It's not our view on covenant theology, but we are both in Christ. A person's standing before the Lord Jesus as a justified sinner is preeminent. It says in 29.1 of Redemption Hill's Confession of Faith, and I quote, All saints are united to Jesus Christ, their head, by the Spirit and faith, although they are not made up of one person with him, but do have fellowship in his graces, suffering, death, resurrection, and glory. Continuing on, they are united to one another in love. They have communion in each other's gifts and graces and are obliged to the performance of such duties, public and private, in an orderly way as to bring about their mutual good, both in the inward and outward man. End quote. I understand the impulses to guard the Lord's table carefully. A pastor wants to ensure only Christians participate in taking the bread and juice or wine if you have that. When you allow people not part of the church to participate, you risk enabling non-Christians to partake. Another way to think about it is how can a pastor screen or guard the table if he does not personally know the person? It's a fair question. 1 Corinthians 11 should instill some sobriety into the conversation. Here's verses 27 through 29. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so not eat of the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. There is a lot to exegete in this passage. But anyone partaking in communion should not be glib and thoughtless. Communion is a holy moment of examination and remembrance. A person cannot grasp the spiritual depth of this passage without the Holy Holy Spirit regenerating the heart. Guarding the Lord's table can prevent people from eating and drinking judgment on himself. Once again, here's our confession of faith, and I quote, The ungodly persons are unfit to enjoy communion with Christ and cannot partake of these holy mysteries without great sin while they remain in unbelief. Indeed, whoever receives it in an unworthy manner is guilty of the body and blood of the Lord and eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's our confession of faith, chapter 32, section 8. It might seem like I'm making a case for closed communion and further restricting who can participate. However, I want to be fair about differing perspectives while arguing that a person's standing before God is the final authority for taking communion. There are good arguments on both sides of the debate. I'm not scratching the surface on the rationale for each position, but I am persuaded by the former option. Provided that a church practicing open communion is clear that the sacrament is only for followers of Jesus Christ, I can rejoice at the opportunity to celebrate with all Christians. Everything I have said is the introduction to answering the question, when should I allow my child to participate in communion? When it comes to the discipleship of children growing up in the church, 
I take a different approach from allowing my Presbyterian friend to partake. I will lay out my recommendation for parents who have children professing faith in Christ. Again, I am hesitant to require a practice when Scripture is not explicit, but I can insert a degree of, shall I say, pastoral wisdom into the discipleship process. Profession of Faith Most Protestant and Orthodox Christians agree that a profession of faith is required to participate in the Lord's table. Therefore, little and unregenerate Johnny, who longingly wants to eat the bread because mom and dad eat the bread, needs to be prohibited from partaking. Even if little and unregenerate Sally is thirsty and likes grape juice, she needs to wait until she gets it from her home fridge. It's clear from the context of 1 Corinthians 11 that Christians are the only ones allowed to partake in the bread and the juice. So what happens when little Johnny or Sally makes a genuine profession of faith? How should parents respond? The first response for parents is to vet the child's heart while simultaneously watching their life. Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruit, Matthew 7. So it seems prudent for parents to dial into the spiritual needs of their children and go headlong into spiritual discussions about faith and practice. Second, a child who makes a genuine profession of faith needs to examine their heart. They need to have the ability to examine their own heart. Parents can take their children to 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 32, to help them understand the gravity of the Lord's table. Last, and there are other examples, and there are other steps that one could take, but last, if a child makes a genuine profession of faith, it's wise for parents to contact their local church pastor and talk to them about baptism. After professing faith in Christ, baptism is the next logical step of obedience. Baptism and initiation. Some Presbyterians say that baptism is an initiation into the church, the local church. I agree, but for different reasons. In Matthew 28, Jesus said to his disciples, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So he's telling his disciples, Go make more disciples. And then what does Jesus continue to instruct them? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. The logic in Matthew 28 is just crystal clear. After a person becomes a Christian, baptism is the next step. Baptism is an initiation into the church. Notice that faith, making disciples, precedes baptism, not the other way around. Martin Luther seemed to toy with the idea of credo-baptism or confessional baptism. He said, and I quote, unless faith is present or comes to life in baptism, the ceremony is of no avail. Luther also asked the question, who should receive baptism? The one who believes is the person to whom the blessed divine water is to be imparted. I wonder if Luther lived in another generation, he would allow the practice of baptism to follow his theology. Two-factor authentication. There are two factors at work during baptism. First is a profession of faith. The second 
is a symbolic demonstration of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. During a baptism ceremony, a person publicly professes their faith in Jesus Christ. A profession can come in the context of a person's testimony when they became a Christian. Baptism is also symbolic of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans 6 provides clear connections. And I quote, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? When we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That's Romans 6, verses 1 to 4. A picture is on display when a person is immersed into the waters of baptism. The picture is the death going into the water and resurrection of Jesus Christ coming out of the water. The death and resurrection of Jesus are not only declared by a profession of faith, but projected in the act of baptism. If baptism is an initiation into the local church, the Lord's table is about renewal. Baptism by immersion is practice once, but the Lord's table is an ongoing practice of faith. The Lord's table is a continual reminder of the love of Jesus through his death. Both sacraments are visible signs of a person's union with Christ. The Lord's table, renewal. After a child goes through initiation, the next logical step is ongoing renewal. The New Hampshire Confession of Faith strings together the logic of faith, baptism, and the Lord's table. It's really helpful. It reads like this. We believe that Christian baptism is the immersion in water of a believer into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost to show forth in solemn and beautiful emblem our faith in the crucified, buried, and risen Savior with its effects in our death to sin and resurrection to new life. That it is prerequisite. I hear that. Hear that. That it is prerequisite to the privilege privileges of church relation and to the Lord's Supper, in which the members of the church, by the sacred use of bread and wine, and we use juice, are to commemorate together the dying love of Christ, preceded always by solemn self-examination. That's the New Hampshire Confession of Faith. The logic makes sense, and the process helps parents and pastors to disciple children to Jesus Christ. Then, when a child or youth begins to participate in the Lord's table, they will hopefully know the depth of the gospel, the gravity of partaking in these holy acts, and able to examine their heart. Landing the plane. In summary, I think there is a difference between holding to a position of open communion and seeing children in the church being discipled toward Jesus Christ. Parents have a tremendous opportunity to teach their children about the Christian faith while using the sacraments as a point of reference. These moments should not be wasted or taken lightly. And my encouragement is for parents to engage. Do not back down. Do not delegate. But press in because fulfilling the Great Commission begins in your home. 
You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org.